Welcome back to the podcast. We have got a cool cut of an episode today with my great mate, Bill Schufelt, who's the CEO founder of Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing is a behemoth of a drinks brand now. And only five and a half years ago, Bill was frustrated that there wasn't a great range of alcohol-free alternatives. And at the time was working as an investment banker in and around Wall Street, thought, I'm going to do something about this. And he did. And in five and a half years has grown this monumental drinks brand that is now neck and neck with the traditional big alcohol drinks brand. Yet this is purely alcohol free. Bill hasn't drunk for 10 years. He, like myself, gets so excited about the space of alcohol free. It's his superpower. It's the thing that gave him the time, the space, the head space to create what is now one of the fastest growing drinks brand globally. It is a monumental success story. And I feel like Bill and I have been sort of in the space together. We've sort of grown up with it together. And I think these are the incredible businesses that we need to cheer on and champion. They're doing it with that pure essence of alcohol-free. Rather than a big drinks brand jumping on the bandwagon, this is the pioneer. Bill showed up when no one else got it. People laughed at him. And now he has one of the fastest growing companies in the whole of the US, probably globally, neck and neck with the titans of the industry. It's an incredible success story. It's all got its roots in alcohol-free. I love it and I feel very honored to be a, a part of that story and to be able to share that story with you all. So now I'll hand you over to Bill. Bill, welcome to the podcast. It is, it is wonderful to have you here. The last time we got together was actually in person in Knightsbridge in the, the summer and we had just this lovely conversation in a pub over some alcohol-free beers. They weren't athletic brewing. I do remember that. They didn't, didn't have them, although you were over there promoting at the time. And we just had this lovely conversation of two people just with a shared commonality in the fact that neither of us drink and we absolutely are passionate beyond belief about this area. So I thought it might be nice today to actually get the microphones out and just have a nice conversation about all things alcohol-free and then we get to share it with people. Awesome. Well, Andy, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. And, you know, every time I talk to you, like when I walked out of that pub in Knightsbridge, I felt like I could run through walls. And I was just so excited about this journey that really both of us are on in parallel. And it's such an exciting time in the world and excited to be here and catch up. Yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, you're te over 10 years alcohol free now. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. I passed uh, 10 years at some point last year. So, I mean, honestly feeling the best I've ever felt. I went back to my college and spoke to the football team, which I played football about 20 years ago now. And I basically, it was a cautionary tale. I was like, I right now as a 40 year old could go back and hand it to my 20 year old self. And I was like, don't be me. And it's just a good feeling like what alcohol free has done in my life. So tell us a bit more about that. So what, in terms of that talk, what did that look like? What was that advice almost that if you could go back, you would have given yourself? Yeah, I mean, I feel like in many ways, I was just on a similar journey to so many people. I was, I would say I didn't have any really unique goals or f things that like fulfilling ideas. And I was kind of sleepwalking through education, sleepwalking through the early chapters of my career sleepwalking through a lot of things. And I wasn't performing at my highest in any area of my life. I was by outside metrics, potentially like, like a high performing person, but I had 
the ceiling in alcohol and my diet and it fed through to all my other habits. And, you know, I, I left a lot on the college football field, I would say, and I probably left a lot on the field in my early career and I had to work really hard to get to where I was in my prior career. But the last 10 years have been totally different. About 10 years ago, I was about to turn 30. I was working for one of the world's biggest hedge funds. It was by all metrics, like an intellectually challenging job, financially rewarding. I had great colleagues and friends, but it was somewhat empty. And I was trying to push the performance in so many areas of my life, be at work, be my workouts, mindfulness, friends and family, eating healthier, everything organic, a lot of plant-based food. And every area of my life, I felt like I was trying to move things forward. And alcohol was this ceiling on so many of those areas. And I stopped drinking for a month as I was starting to train for my first ultra endurance event. And I immediately started sleeping better, feeling better. My diet was better. My work, I was never missing workouts. Every time I worked out, I felt like I wanted to accelerate. I was sharp every day at work. And like, I don't know, it's this exciting journey I've been on for the last 10 years, but sorry to open up with a ramble. No, I love it. Ramble away. That's, you know, it, it sounds like I'm listening to myself in, in many ways. And we both have that shared experience of being a high performer, as it were, in, in a similar industry. I was in the broken side of things, very much in the hedge fund world. And outwardly, everything looked rosy, but there was always more. You know, I always felt like I was underperforming in everything from my role as a parent and, and as a husband. There was just something wasn't right. Do you know what I mean? And what's interesting, a bit like you described there, I looked at everything from nutrition to fitness to ice baths to meditation, you know, all of those, I was sort of the last place I ever really considered was alcohol. And a bit like yourself, when it was removed, had this almost like euphoric rush of health and better sleep and better skin. And I just felt like myself again. That for me was enough to stay on that adventure. And here we both are, some 10 years later, looking probably 10 years younger than we did. I mean, I go back all the time to photos and it's like, wow, it's incredible. <laughs> and some fireworks have just oh. appeared in, in the backdrop, which is good. You can't see that on the podcast episode, but <laughs> fireworks just appeared. I've got no idea why that happened, but I like it. And then here we are together, waxing lyrical about all things alcohol-free. We have this shared experience where, you know, in many ways, it's very similar. We have that background in the finance world, and then we take a break from alcohol, and then you experience this euphoric rush of the benefits like you wonderfully described. And then what happens? You're in that scenario, you've taken a, a month off. It's probably the last thing that you considered would have this impact. What happens next? Yeah, it was, so, I mean, it was probably, it was something that was lurking in the background anyway. And I, I missed warning signs potentially. I probably should have stopped drinking years before I did. And, but the world's a stressful place and I'm a very social person. And a lot of my work was social too. And I couldn't imagine being in all those places and not being able to drink because there were no other options. But here I was a month alcohol free. Every time I worked out, like, so I'd Every I had to be at the desk from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. in that life. And so every day I'd wake up before 5 a.m. mostly, work out. And all of a sudden, I felt like I wasn't surviving my workouts and doing like one of the worst part of my day activities. It was the best part of my day. And I was feeling incredible. And I wanted to accelerate the whole time. And I was looking forward to those workouts as like the best part of my day going forward. And then like 
it carried through to work. I was sharper at work all day. And, you know, there were no down days where, you know, I was going out to work drinks like three or four days a week or dinners and stuff like that. And, you know, I'd have like one or two down days a week where I'd have like a few beers and not feel great. I'd skip a workout, then I'd eat poorly. And that all stacks up on top of it. And then you have weekends where you're at weddings, bachelor parties, me and my wife are going out to dinner or having wine or whatever. And then I'm missing my workout on Sunday or something like that. And when I cut all that noise out, it was just noise and I felt better. I didn't know you could sleep eight hours through the night as an adult. I just figured everyone had a dull stress that yeah. kept them up all through the night. And like, I was just sleeping better. I was working out better. I was eating better. It like, there were so many distractions like removed by alcohol. And so I never wanted to go back, but I wanted to be in all those places. I wanted to be in the restaurants with my colleagues. I wanted to have great meals with my wife, but like, there were so many times where I'd sit down to say an incredible pasta dinner in New York City with my wife. And I'd ask them, what do they have that pairs well with this incredibly expensive, delicious pasta I'm about to eat? And they'd say like a diet soda or like water. And it would ruin the meal just being treated like a child like that. And yeah. it <clears throat> now as we look back six or seven years late or 10 years later at this point, you can open up the menus now and get non-alcoholic versions of any high-end premium cocktails, wines, beers that you want. And it, it's an incredible time to be alive. And it's so easy to make that choice now where those choices were really tough to make because you were stigmatized by colleagues. It ruined your experience and there was a huge drop off. So the trying to get that changed in the world has been one of the most exciting things I've ever worked on. Yeah. I mean, and like myself, you've been involved in it from the very start, like, like when it wasn't even a thing, was it? You know, I remember back 10 years ago when I first started not drinking like yourself, first you couldn't find an alcohol-free alternative, really. If you could, it was almost like that moment when you walk into a pub and the music stops and everyone stares yeah. at you and the bar person says, you're not from round here, are you? And then it's like, you know, you can imagine, it's like, what was that? An alcohol-free drink? And you can imagine them going back out, you know, to the back shelf and they're sort of trying to dust off this ancient, like, alcohol-free drink that's probably about eight years out of date to try and give you something that's now warm. That was about as good as it got. I mean, it was that bad in those early days. Whereas now, like you described, we've been there through that whole process. You know, those early years when no one really got it. They didn't really understand the middle lane in particular. They understood that very black and white thinking about alcohol. You either had a problem with it or you're drunk. There wasn't this bit in the middle for those people that, you know, just wanted to aspire to be healthy and optimized and fitter and faster and all the brilliant things that you described. And to see that, like that evolution, like in our lifetime and also in what we do, you know, we were in this where not a lot of people cared. And I'm sure well, we'll come back to that in a second when you came up with the idea of maybe brewing your own out, you know, alcohol free drinks, probably a lot of people went, what are you talking about? That's, that's, that's never going to catch on. Like, what's that? That's not a thing. And to see it, you know, where it is today is like, I'm with you. Like, you. You smile the whole way through it, as do I, because we've been there, we've seen it and it's only going one way. This is the most exciting yeah. part. So I do want to ask, like in those early days, you're at that place, you go to the meal and there's no options. And in your brain, are you starting to think, oh, like, I wonder, is this, could this be something that, that I could actually 
change my career completely and, and go and follow? How does that bit unfold? Uh, I wasn't nearly that smart. So I, I knew there was a need and I was standing there and I was in these pain, like authentically painful situations multiple times a week where I'd either be at a restaurant or something with colleagues and my wife or friends and family weddings. I'd be the most awkward guy there. And I knew there was a need, but I didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. I never wanted to switch careers, start something or anything. I had a good job in my eyes and I figured I'd do that the next 25 years and retire as early as I could to escape from how grinding and unfulfilling that world was. Honestly, at any point, I would have hit fast forward on 10 years if I was given the option, which is like the saddest thing because it was like 10 years in the prime of my life. And what those 10 years ended up looking like, it would have been the biggest crime in the world because I got fit. I had such great years and everything. But I digress. Going back to that, I knew there was a need, but I didn't possibly think it could be me that solved it. I just hoped someone solved it. And one time I was walking to dinner with my wife complaining about it. And I was like, someone should just fix this. How is no one else thinking about this? I was like, 50% of people in any of these places probably don't want to drink on any given night, but there's just no other options. And then there's probably another 40% of people at home who would love to be there, but there are no options. And I was like, someone should just fix this. And my wife hit me in the shoulder so hard that like, I'll never forget it. And she was like, you should fix it. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, and I thought it was absolutely absurd, but she was like, you should fix this. And then we talked about it the whole dinner and our wheels were just spinning up and we got home and we like pulled out laptops. So we started to research it a little bit and it was like, oh my goodness, there's like, there were kind of these little green shoots of data everywhere where it was like, whoa, I didn't realize there are 15 million documented alcoholics in the US who are looking for better options. I didn't realize like what a big problem in society alcohol was. I didn't realize that there was already precedent for it almost everywhere else in the world. And some places it's up to like 15% of the beer category. And like there were all these articles like people are looking for better options in the Middle East, in Africa, in India, in Europe, in the US. Like, And it was like the green shoots were there, but no one in the adult beverage industry was listening to it because they were in the alcohol world and business had been alcohol forever for 5,000 years, really. And so like me and my wife were so excited and I did like two years of research and enthusiasm would go really high and I'd work on a full weekend and then I would trail off for a few weeks. And then there'd be weeks where I'd like find a great tech brewing textbook and I'd read nonstop for a month. And two years went by and I had this full business plan written up. I thought I had a different way to make non-alcoholic beer. I knew it was a product-led and marketing-led challenge. Like it had to be both. It had to be really excitingly marketed, but like totally different product than ever before. But then I was honestly just sitting there with this business plan off to the side. And I was going into a new year, 2017, and I was just planning on starting my job for a fresh year. And my wife, again, sat me down on like December 28th. And she said, I've read through the whole business plan and all your materials and everything. And she said, I want you to walk in on the first of the year and quit your job. And yeah, I think you might be on mute. I think you might be on mute, but she like, my wife basically was like, I want you to walk in and quit your job. And I was like, 
whoa. And she's like, we have a budget that we can live as lean as we need to for three years. And at three years, we'll look at it and either stick on this road or go back. But she's like, I don't want to know you in 10 years if you haven't at least tried to live out this dream. This is incredible. What's so your wife's I, name? Uh, Jackie. Jackie's unbelievable yeah. from the punch on the art, you know, like, come on, you can do this to, you need to go in there and like quit your job and follow this dream for the next 10 years. I mean, it's pretty powerful, you know, to have that level of support from your partner with anything. It's wonderful. And it, it's so needed because I, I really had no idea how hard the entrepreneurial journey is. And yeah. I, I have such respect for anyone building a small business anywhere because anything from the outside that seems like it's easy, like every inch is a total pain and it, there's more regulation, there's more difficulty, and there's just nothing simple about small business. And so it's been a stressful, like peaks and valleys type seven years since then, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. In terms of the entrepreneurial journey, which I love and something I wanted to explore with you, because we've both essentially done that. We've gone from these you know, big careers, very corporate careers, as it were, and then stepped aside from that. And then almost w without choice, a bit like you, you felt you were compelled to step into that arena. Whereas for me, in many ways, the same thing. I just followed that like journey of I've got to share this with other people. And in doing so has led me and yourself on this entrepreneurial journey, which is a real roller coaster. And not many people are able for it, I think, because of the emotional roller coaster that we continually go on. And for me, obviously, we're both in the alcohol-free space, but I know had I still been drinking, none of this exists, I would still be in that same corporate job. You'd probably still be in that same corporate job. We'd probably both still be, well, certainly I would have been unhappy and unfulfilled and overweight and unhealthy, and I might not even be here, is the truth of it. You know, I think I was probably a one-way yeah. ticket to an early heart attack, yet here we are, you know, healthy, fresh, vibrant. And I just wonder how much do you put of your success to date down to the fact that actually what underpins everything we do is that we don't drink? Yeah, I think it's like the true passion to share that. And people ask me all the time about entrepreneurship and like, oh, I have this idea, should I do it? And my answer to them is always, does it keep you up at night? Can you imagine a world where you're not working on this? Like my favorite thing used to be watching NFL football, college football. And I found once I had the idea for athletic brewing, even if it was like the NFL playoffs, I would be dragged back towards my business plan and I would find myself in front of Excel or reading something. And I like couldn't pay attention to the NFL football games on. And, you know, entrepreneurship, as you said, is so hard that like, you know, you're going to be doing the accounting at midnight on a Friday night. You're going to be waking up at... Like in my journey in those early years, I was waking up at 3, 4 a.m. every Saturday and Sunday to go to some race finish line that was four hours away and try to pour 500 beers for people and talk to Athletic Brewing. And it, with how hard it is, you just have to be so passionate to have that fire be burning. Like the fire's got to burn so hot that you couldn't possibly put it out. And that's what I always tell everyone. Again, I, as you said, went from a pretty big corporate job to where I... Well, I took it so for granted that all my phone calls and emails were returned instantly. When I stepped out into the beer world, I was like the least exciting vendor for any <laughs> of these companies. And I got no phone calls returned. Like salespeople wouldn't even get back to me. And 
let alone in terms of finding John, our incredible co-founder and brewmaster, it, it took talking to hundreds of people to find him. And I got so lucky, but yeah, it's starting from like the smallest bits and building brick by brick. And I'm so thankful for that true passion and the time to put in the foundation to build off of. Yeah. And I think finding your true passion in many ways is, you know, I link it to this ancient Greek word, which is arete, A-R-E-T-E, which I love to fulfill your potential, achieve excellence. And in many ways, find your meaning and purpose, what you were, you know, brought to this short and precious life for. And you ignited that and you followed it. And I think so many people miss the opportunity to follow that call, follow that adventure. And I know I keep coming back to the same point, but it's true because I, I do want to just really extrapolate on that. I know had alcohol still been in my life, I wouldn't have had the courage or the confidence to, to follow those dreams. Even if I'd felt that sort of passion burning, I think it would have been quelled by the fact that I would have been a bit tired, a bit grumpy, you know, and a bit hungover. 100%. And what I didn't realize alcohol was doing, it was tying up all my free intellectual bandwidth and suppressing it in many ways, where when I stopped drinking, you know, I'd kind of been someone who survived the workday, survived the week, lived for the weekend, and then absolutely hated Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And alcohol freed up a lot of time for me. It, it freed up two hours on weekend mornings. It freed up weeknight hours where all of a sudden I was reading a lot of books. I was intellectually curious again, and my mind was running. And I would have never discovered this career or been an entrepreneur had I kept drinking. And it really did free up all this intellectual bandwidth and time for me, which are two enormous resources. Yeah. And I think when you couple that together with the fact that you're consistent again, as you say, mentally, you've got more clarity and more space. I think you can see the bigger picture and also you can deal with those ups and downs that naturally befall you with entrepreneurship, which in many ways creates the perfect foundation to give yourself the best chance of success. So in terms of athletic brewing and even just entrepreneurship, if we can stay with that a second before we move on, because I want to hear more of the stories it's developed. You know, if there's lots of entrepreneurs li listen to this and often they do, especially in the alcohol free space, because it's such a, you know, a growing market from whether that be a podcast, whether that be a beer brand, wine, whatever it is, there, there's such a wonderful explosion of alcohol free entrepreneurs. What advice would you give to someone starting out on their journey? Yeah, to make sure it comes from authentic passion and take it brick by brick. There's such a rush, especially in today's digital age, where we've seen through like a very easy fundraising environment, like companies go from zero to 100 miles an hour at record speed. And I think there's no rush to really get anywhere. Like small business and building a business is a long game. And I plan to be at this for a long time. One of the things I'm most thankful for is like the long time we had to build a really good foundation for athletic brewing. We built on values. We built a great handbook. We built a great food safety program. We built our facilities from the ground up. And then when we launched, like most companies just launch a like minimum viable product out there and have a shell of everything in their company. And if it catches on, you're going to have to, it's impossible to go backfill all that stuff in quality. If you build from a a stronger foundation and really invest in everything day by day, it makes everything so much smoother. And I'm really thankful for that. And the things like values and purpose and all, and like the foundation of our company has allowed us to really attract great teammates and keep them for a long time also. 
Yeah, I noticed that even on your website, you talk a lot about your company values. And actually, that's a lot of the work that I do. So when I go in and train in the corporates, for example, I will often, the first exercises that we'll do with individuals that I'm working with, high performers, whether it be professional athletes or entrepreneurs or you know elite business professionals, we actually work on our values. Because most people haven't even considered what their values are first and foremost, and they certainly have got no idea most often of what the company values are. So actually a really nice piece of work is to do it on an individual level, what are your personal values, and and we've got some exercises we do around that, and then actually inform them, because it's usually the first time they've ever heard as to what the company values are. So I'm just interested, how do you like embody those company values are they individual and then the company or do you help people like literally that's i know a lot of companies great companies they focus on that all the time yeah in the absence of clear communication and values everyone will ascribe their own values to the company and so it'll be fragmented and decentralized into hundreds of different cultures and companies and some of them will think it's a super positive place and some will be super nefarious and like a shark tank. And, you know, it, we start every single meeting inside and outside our walls with our mission statement. <clears throat> we do monthly team updates where we're communicating, giving high fives and shout outs among the team. John and I put a lot of time into our employee handbook. It's still pretty much the same handbook since 2017. And I sit down with people when they start and walk through that same handbook. And it's like sitting down with the founders, hearing the values, and they're like, oh, wow, this must be important if we are sitting down and talking about it. And I'm like literally pointing at the page being like, this is important. And then we have great values too, like full healthcare benefits for our teammates. So like we take care of like the security at the most basic level for our teammates. Everyone's an equity owner from day one. So like everyone has a piece of what we're building together. So it's like believing in what we're doing and owning a piece of it. And so, yeah, really trying to be, we're a certified B Corp, which honestly it came later. We were doing all these things and we're like, oh, we should probably get certified for this. But yeah, trying to align the fulfillment piece and make our teammates really proud. And like, you know what it's like to not be proud and fulfilled by what you do. It is exhausting. And if you are fulfilled with what you're doing, it's this just like flame that helps power your work week. Yeah, it's invigorating. And I think that's so important and overlooked by so many entrepreneurs, even again, at that foundational level, I think is a sense, oh, we can skip that bit. You know, we won't worry about that. We'll yeah. just bootstrap it and we'll figure all that stuff out later. And I think inherently what they don't do is build the foundation of a great business that then they can scale on that foundation of shared values and hiring and essentially firing by those values. So people are very clear. Yeah. They understand what you're all about. So they're part of that mission, as you said, and also being equity owners, which I think is so skillful. Everyone's taking part in the success of this company that is Athletic Brewing. And of course, we'll get there in a minute. It's doing pretty well at the moment, to say the least. <laughs> so I just want to come back to something you said. So here you are, you know, you've been involved in a hedge fund, you've come up with this idea, your, your wife's like, let's go for it. Like the big stumbling block I can see here is that you've never brewed a beer in your life, let alone an alcohol-free beer. So how did you turn? Like spreadsheets are great and, you know, reading all the articles, I get it, or oh, there's a gap in the market. How do you go from that insight where you've got zero experience to turning it into like a physical product? 
Yeah, so that's actually a very big first principles moment for athletic brewing where, you know, you look at an industry and you're like, well, why hasn't this resonated? Like non-alcoholic beer in theory should resonate hugely with the modern consumer. It's very clean ingredient. It's four simple natural ingredients. It's naturally lower in calories than alcohol equivalents. Alcohol is roughly like 20 calories per 1% ABV. So a 4% ABV beer has essentially like 80 ethanol calories in it. And so I was like, this should be a bigger thing in the modern age. Why isn't it? And then I looked deeper into it. I was like, ooh, the production methods really probably don't care for the ingredients that much. And so I went to reading brewing textbooks and thought, is there another way to make non-alcoholic beer? Has anyone read this textbook with the lens of how do I do all this, but in the non-alcoholic form? And I had some loose ideas but then I met John and I think actually you can see it, Andy. I don't think there's video on the podcast, but once John and I teamed up, we homebrewed on Gatorade jugs in an empty warehouse for like nine months. Did you? I love um, that. And we, John was like, we are going to take this to the scientific method and we're going to do trial after trial and change one variable, very small amounts every single day. We're going to brew about 20 batches a week. And it's going to take as long as it takes. And he's like, if it's never good, if it's not as good as great award-winning alcoholic beer, we're never launching. Yeah. And so like John's dedication to that process and doing hundreds of trials to like tweak our process and our beers really set the company up on a really good foundation of quality. And he's been ruthless on the pursuit of quality ever since. And that extends into food safety and everything. And a big part of that too is, I would say 95% of non-alcoholic beer is contract brewed, outsourced with the same production methods that it's always been made with. So if you look at the label on your can and see where it's made, like, is it made where you think it's made? Or is it just, have they outsourced the most important part of the beer? And so that was a big first principles moment for us was new production process. And we're going to do it all ourselves. We're going to build the breweries and make every batch of beer is going to be made by us and so that that was a big decision for us yeah and a courageous one and clearly the right one as well and i understand that process as you say the vast majority especially in the early days was created in that traditional way which i think is it's almost made like normal alcohol and then they sort of try and strip out the alcohol effectively would that be right yeah, it's technically like vacuum distillation, which is burning off the alcohol or like spinning cone technologies and filtration um, is all kind of similar stuff to what's been using for like 50 years. And we really wanted a very gentle method that does full fermentation and treats it as if it is the delicate fermented beverage it is. Um, so, yeah, yeah and but it was one of the reasons yeah, just you're creating brick by, exactly brick by brick and you're creating these incredible tasting beers that have got all of the the depth and complexity and flavor of an alcoholic beer and i think that's what's completely changed the game in in the alcohol free space in many ways is that you know when you're consuming something like that there really is no difference in fact i would argue the effort that goes into that and the quality is better in truth you know, I don't, I, just a quick question. Have you ever run a blind taste test between alcoholic beers and your athletic brewing? A bunch. And actually our beers have won some taste awards in real competitions versus full strength alcohol beers in different categories really? too. 
So it's definitely been validated that, you know, when customers open up menus these days, you can really make the choice non-alcoholic or alcoholic and not suffer any drop-off in quality or experience. Yeah. I mean, again, that's so powerful for me being part of it. And I love, you know, beers in particular, that's what I predominantly would drink in the alcohol-free space. And I always drink, you know, alcohol-free beers have done for a long while. I like the placebo of it. I like the taste of it. It feels grown up to me. You know, it means I don't have to consistently drink water or tea when I'm going out, although I'm quite fond of water and tea when I go out. But I, I just, you know, I love it. And the fact that the, the quality is coming through and that you've created your own brewing process effectively around that is incredibly courageous. And like you say, it set the scene for what is now this fantastic organization, Athletic Brewing. So you've got the idea. You've done all your testing, as it were, that brick by brick, which you've described so brilliantly. But then you're still in that place of, well, I've got to go and build a brewery. How does like how does that happen? Yeah, it's kind of been just brick by brick the whole way. As soon as the beer was good, you know, I was out there raising money to build the brewery. And as soon as the beer tasted good, we deployed that capital and built the brewery, which I make sound super easy, but it was 120 investor meetings to find 66 angel investors to support us to build that first brewery. And then it's kind of been a constant like struggle to keep up with our manufacturing since. Like the thesis was that modern healthy adults would love a great non-alcoholic beer if it was only on the shelf and marketed well. And, you know, it wasn't like the beer jumped off the shelf the first week we put it there, but it was like a snowball rolling down the hill. And after a few months, like people really started to talk about the beer and so we went, we launched in about spring 2018 and basically everyone was universally making fun of us at that time. We weren't having any positive conversations, but a year after that, it was like the biggest twist of irony is a lot of those people, distributors, stores, everything were furious with us because there was a shortage of non-alcoholic beer and it wasn't wow. just a shortage of yeah. And it was like, so we had to, we doubled the size of our brewery just 10 months in. And then it was a rush for capital and expansion. And we built a brewery in San Diego about a year after that, or we bought a brewery and then quadrupled the size of it in San Diego about a year after that. A, another year after that, we started building a bigger brewery in Connecticut. And so it's kind of been this story of like, because we had committed to making all our own beer at different quality than the industry we've had to build our own facilities very quickly to keep up with our production. But yeah, when we launched, we were about one of the smallest of the 8,000 breweries in the U S and now we're a top 12 craft brewer by size in the country or top 13, but top 25 beer company overall in the U S and wow. it's been a really fun journey. And we're seeing such enthusiasm come through in the whole industry. There's like so many great participants in this industry creating well-rounded drink menus and we're seeing it in, so in our generation, well, I guess starting with the most recent generation, it, if you go back two generations, 32% of legal drinking age adults didn't drink in that generation. The one after was 36% of legal drinking age adults. And now this current Gen Z legal drinking age cohort, 45% have never had a drink. And I think kind of what's that saying is like they do open the menu and there's no stigmas and they are just making that choice. They're still having fun, spending dollars, going out a lot. It's just that they're choosing alcohol free when they drink a lot. 
Yeah, and I think that's been the, the game changer. You know, I'm just as sociable. I go out more often. I've got more money to invest in, you know, a nice meal. You know, I'm always in out. We have a, a local wine bar just near me. It's called The Lot. I'm in there sometimes, brunch, lunch, and the occasional dinner. You know, I'm, I'm never out of there. You know, yeah, I, I haven't had a drink for 10 years. So on that, some of the most interesting stats are, and so of course, like all the health comments I make are just speaking to my own individual health and like, I feel great. And, but like, I also realized I was spending more than ever at bars and I was going out to eat more than ever. Cause I was like feeling better personally when I did that. And the data has actually started to show that there was a Nielsen survey last year that showed, um, people who drink both non-alcoholic drinks and alcohol drinks versus people who drink only alcohol spend 15% more money when they go out and go out more often than people who only drink alcohol. So it is kind of to your experience and my experience, I'm seeking these occasions more than ever because I know it's not going to blow up my week, at least in my perspective. And Yeah, and, and that's so true. I so think, for me, it would be like that one big, you know, blow and then that's it i couldn't face it i didn't want to go near it you know i wasn't in the form i just wanted to you know hide away whereas now i can go out on a tuesday or a thursday or a sunday because none of it is going to affect me the next day therefore i bounce back clearly quicker and healthier and there's a few extra dollars in my back pocket because i haven't just blown it on stuff that adds no value and that is so exciting to hear because that confirms what i experienced that actually and, and, and what's great about that i think that's a great message for you know, the entertainment industry, that the drinks industry in general that might have had this fear factor, you know, almost resistance towards alcohol-free alternatives, thinking, well, if people don't actually drink alcohol, they're going to spend less and therefore, you know, pubs and clubs and everything will suffer. But I think the opposite is happening. And I also think in an environment that where more people are not drinking, those environments will feel safer and more enjoyable, you know, mm -hmm. to stay in longer because you're not thinking, I've got to get out before... You know, the clock strikes midnight because it's all going to go a bit wonky yeah. in here. You know, people might actually stick around because they feel safer because the bulk of people or majority of people are choosing to drink less or not at all. I mean, all of this combined, I think, to something so incredibly exciting. And, you know, I really want to thank you for being a real pioneer in the space. You know, you touched on it earlier. You know, some of those people were almost dismissing you, laughing at you, probably in the early stages going, this is never going to catch on. It's never going to work, you know. I felt that myself and here you are now almost struggling to keep up with production through expansion. It's been a pretty exciting ride to say the least. Thank you. And I know we, you've been in the industry right along with me and like one of the people sharing the enthusiasm and like being so open and vulnerable with your own journey. And it, there are so many great people in this industry now who are like making it more inclusive, making people feel like total freedom and giving people good reasons to either drink or not drink. But like in many ways, it is the most exciting time ever in adult beverage. And it's, you would think for that to happen, it would have to be some new kind of alcohol or something, or like a new whiskey or something's invented. It's actually, you know, we are giving adults the chance to drink premium, exciting beverages any day of the week, instead of one day a week any hour of the day instead of very specific situations in the day when you have nothing else important to do. And it's like, it, it all comes from a really positive, fun, inclusive place. So it's in many ways it's, it should be embraced and it's, it is one of the most exciting times ever in the industry, I think. Yeah. And I love it. What people can't see on the podcast, 
every time you talk about that, your whole face lights up with a big smile. And I think <laughs> that goes back to what you were saying, you know, at the start of the podcast about entrepreneurship. You know, if you can connect with that thing that lights you up, that would have you distracted during, you know, the big college football game where normally you'd be completely absorbed in, it's got to be a good sign. And, you know, I think for anyone listening, if you feel that, that tug towards adventure, doing something in your life, I think you have to follow that passion. Like your wife, you know, was so astute to, to sense that and feel that. Had you not followed that path, I think that leads to that path of regret. Whereas, you know, you've had the courage to show up and shine in this new arena. And here you are with this incredible company that's only getting bigger. And just one, one thing I wanted to, to, to find out in terms of its valuation, because I love this stuff as well. Did I read that it's now, you know, you know, sort of paper valuation, uh, close to a billion dollars? No, we haven't had a, I think it's just speculation and we haven't had a valuation event in quite some time. So yeah, as a private company, there's, there's no real need for us to update our valuation. We plan to be at this for a long time. So yeah, but in terms of like a long time, I've got a picture of my son right to the side of my desk here. And like, I do think about like, I want to do things that he is enormously proud of. And I think back to 10 years ago, like he, I was probably not on the track to being an amazing father. He would have seen me working as hard as I could for money. He would have seen an exhausted, unfulfilled father who was kind of crawling through the door at night because his day beat him up so much. And I know I would have been a loving father, but like, I think how he sees me like now, like always energized, working hard, trying to do good things in the world. I, I think it makes me a better parent too. So it's just a great world that people like yourself, Andy, are trying to unlock. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love it. And we haven't even got to the documentary chat yet. I know it's something you're really excited about, as am I. Watch this space for that. And it's all down to the same thing, isn't it? It's about creating awareness. I think it's helping growing the movement and then giving people choice ultimately. That's what I love. I love that now we've got choice. If someone wants to drink, brilliant. Go for it. Alcohol, that is. But then equally, if someone doesn't want to drink, now we've got this you know, great selection of alcohol-free alternatives that are stocked incredibly well. And that just gives us a choice that just didn't exist when we were growing up. And I think for both of us to have been a part of that like fundamental shift in our culture is pretty exciting, isn't it? I wouldn't say many people get a chance to say that they were like involved, like literally genuinely involved, like you have with Athletic Brewing and myself, you know, for all the things that I've done in seeing our culture shift and change in many ways. So to round off our, our chat today, I just genuinely wanted to thank you. Thank you for all the work you're doing. It's incredibly pioneering. It's genuinely made a difference to millions of people's lives and will continue to so keep up the good work my man and we will definitely do a round two at some point thank you so much andy and i reciprocate everything you just said it's an industry with a lot of people like ourselves trying to like make this industry exciting positive and include a lot of people and i it was so fun to catch up with you in person a few months ago and just hear all the progress you've made and I'm so excited what the next 10 years are going to look like in this industry. So thank you so much. Yeah, I knew my man. Well, that concludes our conversation today. Thank you again for joining me. Keep up the great work and we'll do this again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. I mean, what a story. It gives us all inspiration 
for the alcohol-free space in general and shows you what can be done when you unleash your alcohol-free superpowers. Those dreams, those goals, those ambitions can be realized because you've got your time back, your energy back, your life force back. And Bill's just such a shining example of that. And he's just warming up, by the way, just warming up. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe, follow, so you don't miss out on the up and coming episodes. And if you could do me one favor, just share this with one person that you know that might enjoy these podcasts. I'd be forever, forever grateful. And don't forget, do visit my website, andyramage.com. On the website, there's lots of free resources for you to download. My 10x, my full journaling system, if you're into journaling or don't know a lot about journaling. Also, you can find on there the seven steps to quit alcohol. It's just a short workshop. It's all free to download. And also, if you want to know more about training with me as a coach, it's the biggest part of what I do these days, train great coaches. We are going to specialize in alcohol-free performance coach training for anyone that's interested in that on an accredited course. Or if you want to come and train with me in our positive psychology course, where I also have my background and master's degree, that will also be available from April. So do check out the coach training courses. Come with me on that adventure to develop thyself, to reach Thy arate, that lovely ancient Greek word to fulfill your potential, your purpose, connect with something deeply meaningful in life. That's the adventure, I believe. We're all on and I'm doing my best to take as many people as possible with me on that adventure to that arate. So do check out andyramage.com where there's lots of free resources and I'll see you back on the podcast soon.